So how was uh, Del World going, Caitlin? It's been awesome. Everyone's back in person. Do we have a headcount? It looks bigger than I was maybe initially led to believe or that your initial estimates were maybe a little low. Yeah, well, I don't know what the estimates were, but I think it's about 6,000 partner and customer attendees. That's strong. Yes, it is. And it seems everyone out there is highly engaged, which is another good thing, right? It's really nice to be with three-dimensional humans again. <laughs> Yes, let's see, we've done this podcast before and I think uh, all the calls we've had together over the last two years have been mostly in front of your fireplace or something, right? I'm, I don't, not, I'm not that fancy, no. I would be in my home office with my Legos behind me, but I love my setup, it's good. Good. Uh, there's a little bit of storage news, a little bit of cloud news, a little bit of service news this week. What hit the highlights for us? You just did. I think we're good. Okay. That All was right. a good podcast. <laughs> uh, let's see. So let's start I, in the order it is on the slide in my head. So we've got... You've been programmed by PowerPoint. <clears throat> I have. How about okay. we all, though? Is no. That, that's just me? No, that is definitely cool. you. All right, good. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Some Apex expansion. So you mentioned that. Uh, so new Apex service around cyber recovery, which is really exciting. I mean... Unfortunately, it's top of mind for most people, mm -hmm. ransomware protection, so bringing not only cyber recovery software we have, but actually a new managed service around cyber recovery. So is there something specific around ransomware, cyber recovery, malware, whatever it is, that, that makes it ripe for service versus organizations doing it in-house? Yeah, I think it's about the fact that every customer is now aware of how at risk they are, but they don't necessarily know how to set really to mitigate against that risk and even if they know how they don't have the skills and the resources nor can they hire the resources to do that and because the risk is so high and the cost of and i'm not even talking about a ransom sure just the cost of data loss or the risk to reputation for a com company it's really about getting speed to an answer that really reduces that risk profile for the company and I imagine, I don't know, because I haven't tried your uh, cyber recovery as a service, but I imagine that as you guys have built the intellectual property, just the overall knowledge around these things, that every time you see something that goes bad that from one customer, I assume there's some shared learnings there that, that make it better for everyone that's under the umbrella? Yeah, we've had a cyber recovery solution since well before we called it cyber recovery. Fun fact. Oh, what was it called? It used to be called the isolated recovery system or solution. Gosh, it sounds scary. Right. We've, we've improved the branding okay. as the market has matured. <laughs> but we have hundreds of customers that are leveraging this today. So we've learned a lot from them. Unfortunately, ransomware has gotten more mature. So our solution has matured with that. I mean, a good example is Originally, and still today, a lot, most of these air-gapped cyber vaults are deployed within someone's data center. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll have that logical isolation, but it'll still be in a relatively near physical location. But what's now starting to happen is in a ransomware attack, that physical location actually becomes a crime scene. So you don't have mm -hmm. access to that location. So now it's about, okay, so where else physically can I have a cyber vault? So then it started with co-location. Okay, I can do that in an Equinox. Well, now the next level of that is, I want to use the public cloud for my cyber vault, which has actually a number of benefits. It, yes, it's physically isolated, but it's also somewhere that you can practice recovery a lot more efficiently because you can just spin up and spin down those resources. 
oh, and you also have a bunch of pre-committed spend, probably with one, any one of those hyperscalers, and then you can use that pre-committed spend to buy that software, which also really helps it make it much more cost-effective solution. I know you were just talking, but all I can think about is <laughs> racks with police tape around them. Right? I know. <laughs> like with the Kramer. yellow tape. You remember when Kramer had the, the yellow tape in Seinfeld? There was an episode where he had um, an egg and he dropped it on Jerry's floor and he takes the tape and he puts it around there and then just leaves it. <laughs> so I kind of just think like it, that. Just that, like that's that. exactly how I envision this working. Oh, we go to cybercrime and they tape off the rack. It's clearly the end of day two here. <laughs> and happy hour started at four. Um, <laughs> So that's cool. I assume you said some really intelligent things. I'm sure that was great. <laughs> what else? What are, were we, we, did we only do cyber Apex? Uh, we talked about Apex. Oh, cloud. Uh, you've got a bunch of mobile cloud things, and you've got services in the cloud. Cloudy so, things and yeah, all yeah, the yeah. things. So what? So Project Alpine. Mm. As you know, we announced Project Alpine in January. We didn't say a whole lot about it. This week we've said a whole lot more and we showed some. So Project Alpine, for those of you who have not tuned in, but I know you have, Brian. Oh, I know I'm super you know. tuned, so except cute. for when I was thinking about police tape. Exactly, that whole time. So Project Alpine is our initiative to bring our block storage, our file block and object storage software to all of the major public clouds. Mm -hmm. Why are we gonna do that? A lot of reasons. One of the major ones is operational consistency. So for four of our different storage products, PowerStore, PowerFlex, PowerScale, and ObjectScale. Say that 10 times fast. I will not. You will have full operational consistency from on-prem into the public cloud with these new Project Alpine software and services. How, how does that go? Because something like PowerFlex started out as software-defined, so it's probably easier to get cloud-ready or whatever you guys are calling it. We can go with that. Okay. But some of the other ones are a little bit more intertwined with hardware. Uh, what is there a bigger I think you covered difference? it. That's, yeah, that's, that that's it. it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Should I just do this pod on my uh, yeah, own? I yeah, I think so. I'm going to go. I missed happy hours, so I think I'm going to go. Don't worry. There's still time. <laughs> yeah, you, no, you're exactly right. PowerFlex is already software-defined. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing to enable that to run in the cloud is much more about validation, testing, documentation, support, making sure it works really well, also testing which different instances in the public cloud provide what profile of performance so we can make better recommendations for our customers. So there wasn't a lot of engineering work to enable that. Mm -hmm. So that one certainly has been easier. It does not come for free, though. No. No. Uh, the others, on the other hand, so PowerStore, PowerScale are, as you know, they are built as hardware on purpose, mm -hmm. software on purpose-built hardware. So we're actually having to abstract that software off the purpose-built hardware, enable it to run, in the general purpose instances of a public cloud. That takes a little longer, especially because every public cloud is a little bit different. Right, so your APIs you get from Amazon are obviously different than Google, different than Azure, and then the you know, 90 other clouds around the world and, that you may want to play with yeah, someday. Yeah, and factoring and availability, and what, it, it, it takes us some time, so we're having to prioritize which clouds do we do that in, mm. and which products. So, and we're, I mean, we showed it today. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of progress uh, in the space. So it's, we're excited for, for more to come soon though. So it's your intent to get all four of those in, in, the, in the clouds via Alpine, which makes a lot of sense. What is, what is the future look like then, do you think, for buying these services? Because now, just like if you buy an array today, you may be, comparing against three or four other arrays, right, in, yeah. across the, uh, the vendors. Is similar mechanism in the cloud, or do you think 
the cloud's going to be an adjunct to whatever you have on-prem, so it's more of a, a, a fit of, of having the same thing in the cloud. Just what, what's that motion look like, do you think? So it's a natural extension of what you have on-prem. We think vast majority of people will buy this because they have their on-prem estate and they want the consistency to the cloud, but the actual consumption model will be very different. We don't expect this to be a CapEx purchase, right? We're talking about software, we're mm -hmm. talking about subscriptions. So really it's gonna be a software subscription to cloud assets that then support what you already have in your on-prem estate. So does the, the consumption mechanism, you have to have your AWS credits or whatever, but am I buying it from Amazon or am I buying it from Dell? And how does that transaction happen? Yeah, it's a great question. Good news is we've had our data protection software in the public mm -hmm. clouds for years. So we've learned a lot from that. So we now going into it for storage, it's been a lot easier. So essentially the way it works is even if you have it as you're, you're transacting that through a public cloud marketplace, you're actually doing that through what's called a private offer. So you're either way, you're working directly with Dell okay. on that transaction. You can still, we can put that through our ordering system internally as we have for years, or we can put that through our essentially software supply chain through the hyperscalers and transact that way. So the experience, the buying experience for a customer is actually the same, whether it's through Dell or through a partner, it's really the transaction of that licensing and where that happens on the back end with the marketplace. So you're getting the software in the cloud, which is thing one, then what else is happening to enable that data flow between the cloud of choice, the software of choice, and your on-prem investment? What are you doing on the software side to help enable that and make it easy? The fun part there is we're not doing anything new, fancy, or different. Okay. So all of the native data mobility replication technologies that you have in that software is what you're gonna use for that mobility. So if you've got PowerStore on-prem, the PowerStore replication is how you're gonna get data from on-prem into the cloud. Same as similar to what you would do with a PowerProtect DD today to a, to a software-defined DD in the cloud today. You use that replication, which is great. You already know the tool, you already have it, but also it's really efficient. It's built to be efficient and as, as well as secure, so it's very it's compressed and it's encrypted over the wire, as you know, that means it's a very simple way to send data to, and of course, minimizing the data you send out as well. So when data gets there to the cloud, what are we looking at? There's obviously some disaster recovery implications, yep. um, but the cloud brings unique access to GPUs and FPGAs and things like that that can be expensive and cumbersome to manage, and maybe you don't need it all the time. I mean, I could see somebody chunking up a bunch of data and doing some analytics or something on there in the cloud using those those resources, but it's a little early still, but yeah. how do you think your, your customers are gonna be using it? I mean, you hit on two of the three, I would say. So DR, really obviously, right. that's gonna be an easy use case. Test dev would be the other one. Mm -hmm. So use the cloud, accelerate your development cycle, then you wanna deploy that on-prem. So that's that's an important piece. The other one you hit on is the cloud bursting, right? Which was mostly gonna be unstructured, probably files where we think that's gonna be predominant. We've seen this a little bit with our PowerScale for Google Cloud offer. You wanna be able to, you have a massive amount of data, but you wanna burst out to the cloud, leverage those analytic services, and then send the results back on-prem. That type of thing is what we're gonna see. And again, why we're really focused on a full service experience from a file standpoint to enable that, because then you can actually truly marry your data with all of those rich data services in the public cloud. Hmm. Okay. 
So despite all the software stuff, I did happen to stumble across some physical storage devices. Out like a in the, bezel and the whole thing? Uh, some had bezels. Okay. It okay. was pretty good. You know, they mostly had bezels. Um, PowerFlex, Store, Max, Vault even, a little oh, ME5 baby was there. Love which was, that. Uh, which was good. Um, so I know you're leading with software, but you do have some new hardware out there too. Yes, we do. What uh, Max is probably the... The leader, the, the in terms big brother. Of, yeah, yep. yeah. So, yep. what do you have going on there? So, big power max refresh. Uh, I mean, as you know, most trusted storage in the industry. So, really, the ability to support millions of snapshots. Um, that new, some new cyber, also cyber recovery, cyber um, ransomware detection capabilities within that platform. So, big refresh. I mean, really, our flagship for. Mm more years than we can count, <laughs> but ex really exciting. And you know, as you well know, I think, I believe I heard applause for mainframe today, right? It's continued. I don't think it was even ironic. I think it was real. <laughs> right? I know. It was legit. I couldn't tell from backstage, but I think it was real. Uh, so continuing to enhance that platform, clearly there's still a huge hunger from the big, most stringent environments of the world to keep pushing that platform to its limits. Well, you get a big density bump too in, in this iteration, which, you know, if we're hearing anything more than power concerns, thermal concerns in the data, I mean, that's right up there with ransomware in terms of the things people are talking about. Yeah. So being able to take those mainframe investments, I don't, you may not be pitching it this way, but the way I think about it, and get it smaller, you know, more densely packed, is yeah. probably a good thing and a, a net win for some of these people that are yeah. space challenged. Uh, Flex gets files. Yes, I know. That's neat. It is pretty cool, especially if you, I mean, Flex, probably our best named product. I didn't name it that, I'm not taking credit for that one. Because of, now with the addition of file, so you can do bare metal, obviously hypervisor, you know, two layer HCI, mm -hmm. all of the different cloud stacks you can, you can run on PowerFlex. It's such an- And all I, the containers too, right? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard this, I love this term. Um, it's the chameleon of the data center. Have you heard that from our marketing team? I think no, it's the perfect description, though. I might have laughed if they had said it to me. I love it. <laughs> no, it's it turns fine. colors. Well, the, from from the jump when you guys picked that up, it at the time I think was still able to do some of these things that you were just highlighting in terms of being HCI, of being sand storage. Of, it had a lot of flexibility. Yes. From from the get go, and you guys have continued to to add to that. Obviously, customers. Must have been asking for file, and you did it. But what what's the the lead use case for that? Since that platform's a little more specialized than your general practice storage. I talked about mm, probably four or five years ago with PowerMax mm -hmm. file that the primary use case is kind of more traditional file, and it, I, I call it block with a side of file. So it's your fries with your application. So it's not going to support, you know, it's not going to replace what you're going to do with PowerScale. This is not massive performance sure. scale, but for just traditional file where you want to be able to store some directories, you want to have to have a separate filer for that, you so can take advantage of that. Better consolidation then. It's, it's a consolidation play, and we do see, because of the flexibility of the PowerFlex platform, continuing to really push that. How much more can we enable that architecture to support more data and more data types so that it can really support eventually even more in the data center. Okay, so more in the data center. You, you mentioned uh, 
power scale, that guy gets QLC drives in 15 and 30 terabyte capacities. So that's pretty neat too, to bring high capacity flash into this thing. Always love new, new drives. We love, we love me some new drives. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, clearly something people have been looking for and be able to hit that price point. So. And you're talking about um, performance enhancements there too coming in as you continue to optimize software. There's still, I mean, it's a mature stack, not to make it sound old, but it's mature, right? It's been around 1FS for a long time mm -hmm. and you're still ringing enhancements out of that. Well, and our customers keep pushing it to its limit, so we keep got to keep up with them. <laughs> so I, you probably weren't here at NAB last week, but I'm sure My you peer had who owns there. PowerScale absolutely right. was, yes. And I mean, those guys are the hungriest of, of hungry for files, and that hasn't changed, if anything, in COVID, it's probably accelerated with uh, oh, yeah. production of everything, right? Yeah, it's insane. And the, what the main theme I, I heard from my colleague David, who owns PowerScale for us and was here last week for NAB, was there's clearly a hunger, yes, for file, but there's a real distributed nature to that and the need to have that. Yeah, you need a performant file system that can scale and that performance can keep up with that, but you also need to be able to do that wherever you need, mm -hmm. including in the cloud. That was very loud and clear from everyone he talked to mm -hmm. last week, and that, I mean, Last I checked, videos are getting bigger, more complex, and yeah. and and more states of where you need to be rendering that data. Uh, it's it's getting more complicated. So that's what really what we're we're trying to keep up with. They're one of our best categories of customers in unstructured, pushing us to the limit. Well, it's neat though too because they push the 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 fringes of the use cases yeah. whether they want to do editing on site, you know, where they're shooting it, or, and, and start to get to work right away or if they want to ship that to the cloud and, and do something like, you know, like what you're doing with Alpine, get it up there and let people remotely get in and access that data via GPU-enabled instances, do the rendering or whatever they uh, uh, image touch or whatever they've got to do. They're, they're a little hard to corral sometimes, but they really <laughs> have unique ways of looking at, at data that your typical enterprise customer doesn't. Oh, oh absolutely, I and mean, for a long time we've entered that space very specifically through partners who mm -hmm. understand all of the nuance of all the different rendering firms and strategies and pl platforms. Uh, that is very much a critical. It's you know one of the handful of verticals that we've been focused on for years in that space, and it certainly continues to evolve <laughs> and challenge us. All right, Power Store. There was my baby. Another, <laughs> that one's your baby out of all of them. It was you right because we're. Yeah. Did you remember? Yes. Here's a fun fact check. Even after happy hour, we were supposed to announce Power Store, the mm -hmm. original announcement at Dell Tech World 2020. We did not. When did you? From my home office in May 2020. Oh, so it was the same time. It was correct. just, it we was just your here. office, not here. That's correct. Yes, okay. So it's been, I mean, it's come a long yeah, two way years. now. In two years, yeah. And so what is it? Um, Updated controllers, more performance, more yep. of everything, right? More, yes, more of all the things. Um, faster, bigger, smarter. So two years, I guess you've had customers that got in early that might be tempted to, to take advantage of the new hardware, but also I think you guys threw 100 gig NICs on there as an option now, and you've got NVMe over TCP, you've got all sorts of other good stuff in there. That, yep. that platform's really grown 
in two years. It, I mean, it's grown in adoption. We're great, grateful for that, mm -hmm. but also just the requirements, and, and we know this, right? We built that platform to meet the broadest requirements in primary storage. Uh, and we've continued to really expand that. And I mean, the new platform is the big, it's a huge refresh, but we've got a massive adoption of the platform and expect that to continue. And, and you know, we added the PowerStore 500 so to just bring it down. So just continuing to be able to meet the broadest set of, of requirements in that space. Well, and that's another one where you're talking a lot about software, software enhancements, things you're doing. I feel like you've been more uh, communicative in terms of what's coming. I don't know if that's a, a change or maybe it just feels that way where you're just talking more forward. Hey, customers, <laughs> here's what's coming, not yeah. necessarily, hey, we just dropped the point release, here's what's in it now. Yeah. You know, I guess you're doing both maybe. We are, it's a cultural evolution, right? If I think back, I've been here way too many years. There were some years- that We started together on data domain way back when. Way Hey, back. We won't talk about what year that was, but I mean, let's just say at EMC days we had a different philosophy about mm -hmm. how aggressive we would talk about the future, and mm -hmm. then we've been relatively conservative at Dell about things, and now we've I, I think we've so. found a nice balance. We've leaned into the future, where we know it's important, and we know we want to get a lot of active dialogue about where we're headed, um, and I think we've our customers and our partners and you guys appreciate it, right? Well, I think it just helps set the tone for the customers um, to just let them know what you're thinking about. Yeah. And the sooner you do that, the sooner they give you the feedback, right, on, yes, this is consistent with what we're not. And, yeah. and maybe, you know, zigzag a little bit. No, it's a to. new muscle, right? So it's been a little bit internally, it's been interesting to watch us evolve and how do we really have this dialogue and what does that mean to have a project that you announce? But what I, what I tell you personally, from January to here, I've been on a little mini Project Alpine World Tour with customers, and that you hit it exactly right. Because we talk about what we're doing in the future with customers, we're still building this. Mm -hmm. So we can give them that early access, we can get their feedback as we're trying to make decision about requirements and prioritization live and openly and broadly. And it's gonna make for a much stronger offer in the long run, not getting their feedback so. yeah. later. And I think we're all learning what an important, A, that's how the industry works now, right? This is not new. But for us as a company, it's a really important part of our transformation to really be more software and services driven. So I know it's not necessarily your, your whole focus, but um, the edge computing now, you guys have this a couple booths and, and demos set up out there. Um, one with some facial recognition in retail, the candy shop example, and um, some smart automation and, and uh, just so much going on with edge sensors and data. Specific to edge data, what, what are you thinking about there? What are your customers asking for? It seems like it's a lot more going to the edge than, than has been there historically. Edge, also known as the teeny tiny data center. Okay. Well, you've got a real teeny one. The rug, they've got a rugged case out there on a pile of rocks yeah. with a little for you rack with a, yeah. a rail and, and some other stuff in it. Remember what we neat. used to call them, like remote offices? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yes. I teeny mean, tiny data centers. the teeny tiny data centers. Edge is interesting um, because where we see the intersection of AI, really true AI, right, computer vision, that type of thing, mm -hmm. um, edge data, and how can you, how much of the compute and the data can you locate in the same location? How intelligent can that be given the constraints? Like kind of the theme of edge is constraints. Mm -hmm. 
but the, the requirement to be able to have as much intelligence and efficiency and ruggedization in some cases sure. for that environment. Um, but then if we tie it back, you know, my, my role now is I'm the horizontal person of the infrastructure group and I don't own anything hardware, I'm all software, I'm all solutions. So I, my job is constantly, okay, we're building this from an edge standpoint, but then it has to interoperate and be consistent with what we're building for data centers and colo facilities and in the cloud. Mm -hmm. So how do we bridge all of those things together? Because last I checked, I don't think anyone just has edges. Like there's, no, there's probably a, a core somewhere. There's probably a core somewhere of some size that's not the teeny tiny, but the normal size data well, center. It's just asking so much more of it though, because sure you had uh, maybe some rudimentary surveillance, maybe a time clock, POS, you had some, oh, yeah. uh, some stuff at retail that, that that's been there forever. But now, like we're in Cincinnati, so we've got Kroger there and Macy's, and they're always talking about using this technology to prevent fraud, to stealing, mm. to prove out workplace injuries or whatever, right? So you've got all these cameras, all this inferencing that can be done yeah. at the edge, and the purchase intent, all this stuff, self-checkout. We're just asking a lot more of infrastructure. Oh, yeah. But probably not getting much more in terms of access to power and cooling for these things. You're and still putting that secure in the target. Space. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. still a retail, I mean, retail and manufacturing, the two big ones we're really focused on. So yeah, you're still, you're on a manufacturing floor, you're in a retail store. The conditions in which you're asking it to do that are, I mean, maybe they're like a little shinier than they used to be. Right? Uh, they probably have, you know, curbside pickup outside, but they're, yes. they're the same as they've been. So you have to get more intelligent, more efficient, more, more power efficient um, in that. And I mean, the, the software in that space is just incredible. I mean, computer vision is doing some maybe almost scary things. If you think about it. It could be used for good. Yeah, we'll focus on the good things. You know, transportation, I think it's a really interesting one. The double click into a single like airport and the amount of different places that there is data being recorded, analyzed for different purposes, mm -hmm. right? For Yes, security, but also for like traffic flow, traffic yeah. flow and quality, and uh, it's just an incredible amount. I don't think unless you're like a nerd like us who walk around the world How seeing these you. things. Oh yeah, you're much more of a nerd than I am. <laughs> nerd off. <laughs> nerd off. It's on. <laughs> It's, uh, you don't probably realize how, you know what's my favorite? This is a random one, Target. When you do the self-checkout now and they have the, the video of yourself when you're checking out. Hmm. Have you seen this? No. It's awful. <laughs> it's like, I'm not gonna steal it because you're showing me how awful I look in this moment. Like, there must it be- It makes you feel bad when you're checking out? It makes out. you feel bad when you're checking out. There's like some sort of human psychology element they've added Probably. to it. Maybe check out faster so that you have to look at yourself longer. <laughs> Less get time. Me just out go, of here. Just go pay whatever you want. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a crazy field um, and just one that it seems like there's so much energy around. And yeah. like I said, you guys have four, gosh, probably three or four really good examples on the, the show floor of how that's being used. And it's not super complicated. There's lots of software out there, as you were saying, that. Yeah that will plug into existing camera infrastructure and tell you there's 13 people at the deli counter without having to get up, without anyone having to do anything. You know, knowing that you have one person there, maybe we should dispatch another person to go slice turkey or whatever, but automatically. Yeah. Without, and the customer experience has got to go through the roof once these guys figure out how to use this kind of data effectively. 
Yeah, it's mostly, I think, going to be used for good, already is. Um, but I think you hit it right on the nail on the head. We're putting a lot of demand and the condition, like the environmental constraints are the same. And that's what we're, we got to keep solving for. And um, I don't know about you, but like my, my, one of my pandemic games was <laughs> oh, no. testing to the different curbside like systems at these different stores. Okay. My criteria being, I need to be able to obviously mobile order, but I need to, my mobile pickup, I want to stay in the car and through my app tell you I'm here. Right. And you bring it to me. And just throw it in the back and And just throw it in the back. The places that require you to like pick up the phone and call them when When you you get get there. there, Yeah, that's no good. I'm like, did you miss that part of the like digital transformation workshop? We were just talking about digital transformation. (laughs) I don't think I've heard that word this week. I was week, commenting actually... that I had not heard it this week. Yeah. And that, that transformation must have been completed at the start of COVID. <laughs> That's it. Everyone's We're done now. Clearly not, though. Someone still needs transformation lessons. Gosh, that one used to be pretty hot on the uh, buzzword bingo. Yes, yes. Um, so we've got the edge. Oh, the other thing, though, at the edge, still challenged by... IT staffing and resources and oh, support. Yeah. So you're a solutions person. Um, I guess you've got two avenues, either make it really easy and self-managing, self-healing to the extent that it can be, and or re- edge IoT or edge infrastructure as a service. Is that part of your apex thing? Yeah, I mean, it's a given. We have to make the infrastructures intelligent and autonomous, there's another buzzword for it, mm. bingo for you, as possible. It's got to be able to heal as much as it can, as much as we can use intelli- cloud-based intelligence to, to support that. Um, and we need to be able to deliver intelligent services around that, right? You're not going to have a person in every store to be able to manage mm. that, but you've got to be able to support that. And partners are going to be continue to be really, really critical there, especially when you're talking about things like computer vision and the types of places in the industries that you're trying to work within. That's that's a very important ecosystem that we're act, we've built over the years and we're actively building there as well. We know that's not something we're going to be able to solve as Dell by ourselves. Well, you've had a busy day, two days. It's been two? Is it two? It's probably been longer for you. Four, seven. <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, you, you continue to... to drive along and, and enhance these things along the way and, yeah. and create these neat solutions. So you being a solutions person now, we look forward to seeing what else you solve. Oh, that's a bad pun to end it. <laughs> Stay Thank tuned. you, Caitlin. <laughs>